Uh, federation probably needs to be fixed, right? That's the reality. Federation that, needs to be renewed. Yeah, yeah. Federation does need to be renewed. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a given. But the fate of sitting members depends on electors in the cities and those who come many miles and buy varied forms of transport to vote in outlying booths in country towns. Still, in New South Wales, they can quench their thirst as hotels are open for the first time on election day. So thanks for joining the podcast, George. Thanks, uh, very interesting times. Um, you've just announced you are leaving the LNP fold, not just leaving Parliament, but actually had it with the party and uh, throwing in with One Nation. Congratulations on the move. Well, thanks, mate. Uh, you know, I've, I guess that... Uh, I mean, I don't do it to uh, berate my side, and I don't ever want to get into the sort of um, uh, petty politics part of it. But uh, the fact is that uh, what I saw over the last two years uh, from uh, my former side, uh, the Liberal Nationals, was not much, not much resistance in uh, the face of all of these restrictions for COVID. And what I thought um, my former side held dear which were freedoms for the individual, just did not seem to be there. It was very much lacking. Um, I mean, action wasn't taken when it should have been taken yeah. to go out and quash uh, vaccine mandates, to quash restrictions. And it could have been taken, despite the fact that they say, oh, it's all state governments. Yes, you know, the sin was committed by the states, uh, but the sin of omission was committed by uh, the federal government that I used to be part of in not lifting a finger to stop it, and they could have. I pointed out various ways that it could have been stopped, but it never was. So Even some moral leadership, even just some rhetoric mm. from the coalition, from the prime minister, would have been good to say, you know what, this is a state issue, but here's our take on it. As a party, we believe in minimal interference in people's lives. It's in our federal statement of beliefs yeah. that government should be small and not interfering. And, and you know, it's up to Palaszczuk and, and McGowan and, and Andrews and the various other clowns running the circuses. But for our two cents, this is un-Australian. Yeah. This is illiberal. Uh, and, and this isn't any good. Some of that sort of stuff was said, but not much of it, not much. And so I think that, yes, it was very much lacking. I think that, uh, again, I'm not going to go and throw brickbats uh, at my former side too much, apart from the ones that I threw when I was in the tent. Uh, and I don't think enough was done on that issue, and it could have been done. Uh, more leadership was needed. Um, you know, Unpicking of the anti-freedom restrictive measures was needed. It just wasn't done, and um, you know, every time uh, someone went to the microphone and actually said something about it, there were caveats. And I think this whole thing is based on fear. The whole pandemic was driven by fear, and uh, fear is never ever a good place to be in, yeah. uh, particularly when you're making up public policy, because it's always going to be onerous, draconian, and restrictive, yeah. and uh, all the measures were. But the fear from the federal government uh, was fear of the media, fear of what uh, voters who were uh, cowering perhaps uh, under their donors might think of placing freedom above some false sense of security. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think that's a great shame because um, what was needed was uh, 
was principle-based politics, not fear-based politics, but we, we didn't see too much principle-based politics. Well, you've certainly exemplified in your career four terms? Four terms uh, in the federal parliament, yes. You've been principle-based. I think one of the things that first uh, put you on my radar was when you quit your position as whip of the National Party because mm. you wanted to speak up about principles and not be subject to the higher standard of discipline that that position demands on you. And in mm. putting principles first, you took a hit to your pay packet, uh, <laughs> which I found uh, impressive in the contrast um, that there is. But the purpose of this podcast is to reflect and have an honest look in the mirror mm. of the right wing. Um, and no, the purpose isn't brick bats, but the purpose is to be honest about the pros and cons of the various parties mm. that uh, right of centre voters have to consider in the coming election. Strategies aside, whether, you know, who and how you think uh, Australia should be governed, what are the actual pros and cons? Um, and so it's, it's really important that we be honest um, about um, the party that, that you've been in and now are in, as well as the other parties, and, and not to play nice or, or to be gentlemanly, but, mm. but to actually just do the mum who's sitting at a kitchen table thinking about all of these freedom parties and major parties that are now um, asking for her right of centre vote and give her the facts mm. about uh, what the mainstream media isn't saying and, and even what they're not saying. Everybody's getting the chance to talk about themselves and others. Um, and so we want to essentially hear, what do you think are the policy strengths? And we'll go through the parties one by one, but what are the, yeah. the policy strengths and weaknesses of, we'll start with the Liberal Party, and we'll go from biggest to smallest. Yeah, right. Well, uh, I'm going to clarify before going into that. The Liberal Party or the Liberal National Party as it is in Queensland? Um, we'll talk federally. Yeah. Um, and in because basically the federal yep. candidates and members, as you know, do sit in different party rooms once yeah. they get there to Canberra. So let's talk about the Liberal Party, then we'll talk about yeah. the National Party. It can be obviously very confusing to Queensland voters in particular, where there's the LNP or Liberal National Party, but yep. yes, down in Canberra. And so you even, sat in the National Party room yeah, for your career? I was a member of the Liberal National Party, but I sat in the Nationals Party room mm -hmm. uh, in Canberra, and um, that we, we hive off into the two different uh, factions, if you like, within the coalition. And uh, the Liberal Party... Um, Ostensibly, I mean, they are supposed to believe in freedom, in free markets, in, in you know, this is the basis of them where they were formed. Robert Menzies obviously mm. uh, uh, formed it as a pro-freedom party. And um, this is why I guess that I'm so aggrieved about uh, what, what wasn't done. And in fact, what say in New South Wales was done at a state level uh, mm. by that party. Um, but look, the benefit you could and say of the Liberal Party, and I'm just being honest here, the benefit of the Liberal Party is uh, they are the they are the major um, conservative slash right centre right slash classical liberal slash libertarian government or party rather mm. that uh, will form government. I mean. Um, you know, I can't say the same of, of any other political party. It's just how it is, sadly, in Australia until there's a change to the two-party um, system that we've got or the two-party sort of dynamism that we've got in Australia. 
Is it a two-party system or is it a two-party result? It's a two-party result, but the system uh, is there as well. Uh, the results perpetuate the system. Um, you know, while uh, voters in the main are voting either Labor or Liberal, um, that's where the discussions happen. That's the construct, that's the narrative that's put around the political contest. Mm. And uh, also, you got to think about funding and the mechanics of elections. Um, you know, the public funding that does follow political parties ends up going to those major two parties. Uh, the private funding of political parties ends up going to those major two parties as well. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're ingrained within the political system. They have uh, a structure set up. They have boots on the ground in terms of members. Um, they have a list of donors that they can rely on. Yep. So the, the fact that there is a two-party result perpetuates a two-party system that perpetuates a two-party result, right. and on and on it goes. So to get out of that paradigm is going to be very difficult for this country. Yeah, and, and I guess the contradiction to the assertion it's a two-party system is that it would only take a significant number of people voting for any of the micro or minor parties and there would be a different party in government and one or more of the majors would be irrelevant. They would be yeah. minored. Um, and there's been that shift in other countries that have uh, uh, Westminster-style parliaments, uh, such as, for instance, Canada, um, where the, the main Conservative Party quite a number of years ago was uh, completely and utterly uh, booted out, and then some, and, um, you know, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, new parties come about. Um, so it could happen, but, you know, put it this way, it's going to take... I think in this country, it's going to take one of the parties getting such an absolute shellacking at the ballot box that they pretty much disintegrate because it would have to be federally members. It would have to be yeah, federally. It would have to be federally because the shellacking they got in Western Australia hasn't yeah hasn't for, made them skip a beat. For, for for the two major parties, Labor and Liberal, they are both are federal outfits. They mm. they have state branches. Yep. Um, but the branches aren't in control. The federal executives are in control. So you're right. It would have to take a wipeout at a federal level for, um, I think, for us to, uh, for this country to get out of the two-party paradigm that we're in. Do you think this is the year? No, I, I actually don't. I think that, quite honestly, the Morrison government is going to get a shellacking. The uh, Liberal National Party won't be in government, I fear, though. Um, uh, and I, I don't wish for it. Please don't think that I wish for it. I fear that uh, we're going to have an Albanese Labor government. It will probably be a majority government in the House, um, heaven forbid, but I, I do fear that that's going to be the outcome and uh, where the um, where the saviours are going to be are in the Senate. Uh, mm. We're going to have to have... The a, checks and uh, balances yeah, we wish indeed. we had. Indeed. We're going to have to have a very strong crossbench. Mm. That's why I'm backing One Nation. That's why I'm backing Pauline Hanson uh, because she is one of those very strong crossbenchers who's been pretty much consistent about her views and uh, it's consistent with my beliefs as well, uh, uh, what she's out there saying and doing. Yep. So, um, uh, you know, that is going to be very important, but equally as important as ensuring that the, uh, the, the, the coalition, who will also be in the Senate, 
are, uh, are pulled towards the right again and um, see the error of their ways over, you know, the last goodness knows how long since Malcolm Turnbull was elected, actually. They've drifted I think if any party land. can drag the Liberal Party back to the right, it is one nation. Yeah. They are to the Liberal Party what the Greens are to it's the like, Labor Party. It's like that. Yeah. And, and there's lots of um, possible candidates to do that, but I think one nation's got the runs on the board mm. and the... Um, members in, in Parliament to actually um, do that. Now, you're running in Queensland at the number three um, position on yep. the Senate ballot. Is that winnable? Uh, well, look, if I win it, the whole political landscape has changed and I'll definitely want to be part of that new political <laughs> landscape. Uh, you know, it, it basically would mean that uh, half the Queensland population voted for One Nation uh, if I was to get in. Um, you know, uh, that's... Uh, this that's, might be the year. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very optimistic uh, uh, call. Um, and look, I'm, I'm not expecting to be a senator after the election, but I am expecting that Pauline Hanson will be a senator. And I'm even hoping she might be able to bring a mate down there. And um, she's got a number two who's, um, who's uh, probably someone that's not really would be considered the One Nation type, but he's a good bloke. Uh, uh, not the One Nation caricature No, type. exactly. It's exactly. only a caricature. Not the One Nation stereotype or caricature. Mm. Um, uh, this guy has been, um, uh, Raj has been extremely important in the uh, mining industry in Australia, mm. uh, being one of the people that spearheaded the opening of the Galilee Basin and new uh, Carmichael mine there that I visited only... Uh, about a month ago um, or more. And, um, you know, uh, he'll bring a lot to the One Nation team, so it's good to see uh, Raj there in the number two spot. On the Liberal Party, perhaps it's um, about as hard to miss as shooting at the broadside of a barn, but negative points. Why <laughs> would you want to advise to somebody who's considering putting the Liberal Party at number one on their lower house or upper house um, ballot? Uh, I would just say, uh, think on what uh, has not been delivered that you wanted to see delivered uh, over the last, you know, five years or more. Uh, think about the things that have been done uh, that you wish hadn't have been done over the last five years or more. And I think as Conservatives, we can all think of a particular thing that hasn't been done we wanted done or that got done that we didn't want done. And the question List is... List a what, couple for us. Well, well reform to the ABC. Uh, where the hell has that been? Uh, instead, we've given them billions more to spend attacking uh, traditional Australia and traditional Australians. Um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a pretty big one. I mean, religious discrimination, I hate the term, it should be religious liberty, right. but it was left to so late in the peace and then we had... You know, this cabal of, of, of so-called uh, moderate liberals uh, that, uh, that are basically just greens and liberal clothing that turned up and scuttled that legislation. Would you like um, to see those moderate liberals ejected from parliament finding I, I, a new career? I think that they're destroying the coalition. They're destroying centre-right politics. And uh, that's why I couldn't have a bar of it anymore. I mean, uh, uh, the, the danger that there is now for the Liberal Party is... Um, switching from being a party that's traditionally been described and considered as conservative to one that's progressive and therefore it's a pale imitation mm. of Labor and our choices voters 
this is the danger of be voting for uh, a socialist Labor Party or a less socialist Liberal Party. Um, and I don't want to live in a country where they're the two choices you have. Right. Um, you know, that, that, that's, that's not what uh, the Liberal Party was set up for. Uh, it was set up to be a conservative classical Liberal Party. Uh, libertarianism uh, was one of its uh, uh, key drivers, but that's, that's not what I see from the Liberal Party today. There are some great candidates are great defenders of freedom in the National Party. Mm. Um, contrast liberal and national. Yeah. Uh, strengths and weaknesses. Where is nationals better than the Liberal Party and where uh, are their weaknesses? So, uh, and look, I, I, again, my former home, you know, uh, and I, I'm not going to bag people as much as, as what um, some might want me to do now, uh, Barnaby Joyce is a great man as far as I'm concerned. People like Matt Canavan, uh, great men, Lou O'Brien. Um, and, 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 and these people, uh, Keith Pitt, could go on and on and on and talk about half that party room, people which has who solid, a vote and solid values, you know, uh, and, um, and they're common sense conservatives. And that's what I think that, um, you know, people who traditionally vote for the Liberal and National Party, that's what they want to see, common sense conservatives, people who are principled, pragmatic when it needs to be, but not just going to give up because they might get a negative headline or because the ABC might say something nasty about them. Unfortunately, that's what we've become, uh, beholden to this sort of the chattering class, the Canberra bubble. Mm. Um, but, but to get back to the Nats, I mean, I think it's because the Nationals uh, come from the country, ostensibly where uh, common sense conservatism abounds. That's why this this um, sort of mindset is there in that room. I get to say though that just like the Libs um, have had some liberal moderates, unfortunately there's some national moderates that are in there now. I mean the New South Wales National Party at state level, look at them, I mean they pushed for abortion. I mean, mm. you know, you may as well vote for the Greens than to vote for the New South Wales Nationals. Mm. Um, and, and so uh, these people have infiltrated the party. They haven't looked at the objectives of the party, which actually says that the National Party, its, it's objective is to be a conservative force in Australian politics. Brilliant. Not libertarian, not classical liberal, conservative force in Australian mm. politics. In fact, its first objective is for a nation founded on Christian ideals, a society founded on Christian ideals. So um, that's what the National Party should be for. But there's people in there, you know, I'm not going to name names, there's people in there in that party room, they know who they are and probably the voters know who they are too, who uh, very well could be at home sitting in the moderate Liberal Party wing, right? Um, uh, the only thing is they can put on some RMs, uh, they can put on a Dreiserbone and they can put on a Cobra. But in reality, you take all that off, they might as well be sitting in the moderate wing of the Liberal Party. Yep. Well, let's talk about your new party, One Nation. Um, I want to start with... Your criticisms. What are the what are the areas for improvement? Let's put it that mildly. That um, you think voters should be aware of, and try to be honest here with me. Yeah, look, um, um, when people are thinking about voting for the One Nation candidates. Yeah, uh, you're putting me in a, in a, in a vidious position where I'm going to have to uh, uh, find something to. I'll get a phone call. No, look, uh, Pauline's, criticism, going to, uh, Pauline's going to correct the record when, when she gets to sit in the chair, so don't so, worry about so, that. So, so a criticism might be, um, 
it's one that's thrown at minor parties all the time. Oh, you're never going to form government. Um, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's easy to say uh, all these things, easy to criticise because you're never going to have your hands on the, uh, on the levers of power. True, that's probably true in the current two-party paradigm. Uh, apart from the fact there will be some instances where the party does have its hands on the balance of power in the Senate in particular, perhaps even sometimes in the House of Representatives, and um, therefore will be able to sway government one way or another. But I mean, the policies that are put forward by One Nation are, are, are really um, principles. And it's saying to the public that if you elect us, this is the kind of thing that we stand for and that we'll push for in Parliament. And um, we will try and drag whoever's in the government over to this through you know, horse trading on stuff that uh, the party doesn't care about and the voters don't care about for stuff that they do care about. Um, I think that that is um, where One Nation's coming from. So the criticism, which may seem like a bit of a cop-out, uh, we're not going to win government, but you can say that for just about every minor party. Now, just to be clear, um, Pauline is coming in to speak for the One Nation, so you're here as a commentator, yeah. um, not as a politician, so to speak. Um, One Nation, what are the policies that you think make them the best right-of-centre option? What are the policies that they bring to the table uh, which they've got right that the other freedom parties haven't got quite as right or wrong? Oh, look, I think they've got a, a fairly common sense position when it comes to uh, all of these restrictions, um, uh, the COVID restrictions, uh, the, the whole pandemic approach. Um, you know, uh, Pauline and Malcolm Roberts have Are been... they distinguishable from the other minor parties' uh, positions in any way? In, in some way, uh, maybe yes, but uh, I mean, look, you know, all the whether it's UAP or Lib Dems or One this Nation, is what I'm trying to do they've here. All been, they're uh, all peas in a pod yeah. when it comes to freedom. What what are the things that separate them and and pull them apart? Well, I, I don't know if it's a bit like Clive. He, he says freedom a lot on his posters, but that doesn't mean that he's got more freedom uh, views than <laughs> uh, than One Nation. Look, I'm not sure that you can pick a lot of these parties apart when it comes to the pro-freedom stance. I mean, One Nation is completely opposed to workplace vaccine mandates, whether they be publicly imposed by state governments, chief health officers, or whether they be privately imposed. I mean, that's the same view that UAP has, and it may not be the same view that Liberal Democrats have. I'm not sure what they think about private companies imposing it. Maybe they agree with that because of the libertarian streak. Uh, I'd need to ask Campbell Newman what they think on that particular topic. I'm not sure. Campbell's, but, but, Campbell will be on. Uh, in, in know, this, we'll ask him. We think that, um, you know, whether it's government or a private corporation going to a person and saying, your bodily autonomy is no longer your own, you have to have this substance injected into you even though it's provisionally approved, there's no long-term safety data, you know, it could go on and on and on. We think that's wrong. And uh, there are other uh, minor parties that, um, that, that think the same thing. And so I don't know you're going to get too much of a difference on that So what about other topic. issues? Other um, than freedom, where, so where this is, is there daylight between the parties? So, so this is where I guess that uh, you're going to start separating the, uh, the minor parties. 
you look beyond this issue. But this issue is very important. I don't want to. I don't want to dial it down. I actually right? want to talk about One Nation's policies because we will yeah. talk about uh, and, the other and, parties. And, and I will talk so, about it. But this this so on this issue is important. Freedom. I don't want to dial it down. Uh, most people, uh, not most people, but but people are rightly concerned about these issues of, of freedom, what happened during the pandemic, uh, and they're going to vote as such. So how do you differentiate? Well, on a lot of these parties, it's exactly the same. So it's then moving beyond that. What's your second order issue? What's your third order issue? Right. Um, and so uh, for One Nation, I mean, they're, they're against the whole climate change agenda, you know, the the... the the mantra that we again have to have stuff imposed upon us, have to have our freedoms curtailed, have to have our economy hurt, have to have workers sacked, you know, uh, to the climate gods. I mean, this is uh, nonsense. So we're opposed to that as well, uh, outright, outright. Um, you know, and, and you can't say the same for the, the, both the mainstream parties, the, the big two. Certainly. Um, they've embraced it now. Um, uh, you probably can't say the same for some of the other minor parties because some of them just don't have a position on it. Um, and that's the other thing. It is, um, look, Craig Kelly is a good friend of mine. He's a good bloke. I actually um, hope he gets elected to Parliament, actually, I, I, uh, you know, even though he's in a different party. Um, uh, but uh, uh, I just don't know beyond the issue of being against all of these restrictions on us, what UAP stands for. I know what Pauline stand, stands for. I know what One Nation stands for. They've got a long history. Mm. Uh, they've been a populist, pro-Australian party. Uh, their name is one of the key mantras of the, uh, of, of, of the outfit. One Nation. We are one nation. Stop the division. You know, whether it's racial division. Uh, now it's in our anthem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. We're, we're meant to we're, be one. We're, we're one and free because we couldn't be young anymore. But anyway, uh, uh, that's look, a, I, I don't mind yeah, the. I don't uh, mind either. But maybe it's the a, change. It's another was woke, a bad reason. Woke but... sop. I mean, uh, you know, and and I, I look. I was at a at an Australia Day event uh, recently. Obviously, I was at other events, and the people up there are still singing young. You know. Um, Australian public haven't embraced the one yet, but anyway, one of the ten oldest constitutions in the world. But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 one nation's got the history. It is conservative, mm. but I would call it common sense conservative. Um, we're not ideologues. Uh, we are practical, and we are populist, unashamedly populist. It's said today like it's a dirty word, but what's populist mean? In the interests of the people, for the people. Um, driven by popularity. Yeah, driven by popularity. But you can't say that about everything. I mean, it would be populist, right, well, to go and I impose all these... I would say Scott these, Morrison is populist. Yeah, well, it, populist to go and impose all of these lockdowns, but not principled. So populist and principled, hmm. not populist and sometimes principled. So if our principles are uh, we support the rights of individuals, we support freedom, we support liberty... Uh, we're not going to embrace some populist ideal just because it's popular mm. uh, that we should lock everyone down in their homes and um, force, uh, you know, uh, uh, injections into them that uh, are only provisionally approved and don't have long-term safety data. We're not going to do that. 
Is there any unicorn in One Nation's policies? Is that something unicorn? Something standalone, rare that the other minor oh, parties so. have neglected, forgotten, and it, it's just you only find it in One Nation. Well, uh, to sort of quote the castle, it's the vibe. Because <laughs> One Nation pitches itself as a not just a common sense conservative party, but as a blue-collar conservative party. I think that One Nation now is very much a workers' party. And what's happening is that disaffected Labor people are coming over to One Nation because they see elements of the old conservative Labor Party in One Nation. Um, so if you ask me what's the unicorn, it's the vibe, and the vibe is a conservative workers' party, a blue-collar conservative party. I, you know, I think there was an opportunity uh, while I was in the former outfit, the Nationals, and um, you know, when Tony Abbott was leader, for the coalition at that point to reinvent itself as a blue-collar conservative outfit. Uh, I think the opportunity came and went. Uh, and well, if they followed more of the Nationals' lead, they probably could. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, people like Matt Canavan are certainly forging uh, 100%. in that direction. Well, he, 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 he's definitely tried to lead uh, the party and the government in that direction mm. um, quite successfully. If you have a look at the 2019 election results, where uh, it was Matt Canavan that was spearheading. The campaigns there uh, for the government in, say, Capricornia and Dawson, uh, alongside myself, where we got swings of uh, you know, wild swings of, you know, uh, 12% uh, mm. in, in those seats. Um, and that was basically uh, on the back of this push to be there for the workers. And uh, I think that um, it hasn't been embraced. Uh, you know, Matt sadly is, went out of cabinet. Um, uh, he's or now better. sort of. Uh, I, I don't think senators should be in cabinet. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Matt was, was left cabinet. Uh, he he's doing a much, much better was, job for Queensland it, now. And I believe he is too. However, um, it's also true to say that within that little room of the Nationals, um, he doesn't have too many friends uh, with him on on these issues. You know, it's always a fight in that room and uh, Matt's pretty close to Barnaby so he has you know a, a voice in with Barnaby but uh, in terms of the majority of that room I'm not so sure that they would uh, want to see themselves as a good reason to try and save, party. save him but that's the difference you, the unicorn thing about One Nation the only party in Australia right now that could say it's a blue collar conservative party and that's why I'm part of it okay. that's my background man well, let's talk about Liberal Democrats now, the Liberal Democrat Party. Uh, they've got some great candidates around Australia. Mm. John Ruddock in New South Wales, yep. Campbell Newman in Queensland. Um, Serious people, yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, former Liberal Party stalwarts. Yep. Um, what are the strengths and weaknesses of the Liberal Democrats for people who are considering where to place them on their own ballot preferences? I think the Liberal Democrats are uh, extremely principled. Their whole philosophy is libertarianism um, to, to the nth degree. Uh, they, they, I think they're trying to branch out and just not be complete and utter purists, but I think that there still is that element to the party. 
that's probably why, um, while I agree with the Liberal Democrats on their um, pro-freedom uh, thrust that they had, particularly with the, uh, the COVID pandemic uh, restrictions, I probably can't come with them on everything. For instance, um, David Leinhelm, who I consider actually, he was a good mate in the Senate uh, that I had there. David Leinhelm uh, was completely pro-gay marriage. I mean, that issue's now been resolved, um, uh, but, but he was pro-gay marriage and I wasn't. Uh, David Leinhelm also led a push against um, the, uh, the sugarcane farmers when they were battling against monopoly millers and I was firmly on the other side of the equation. Um, so uh, Seems uh, like an illiberal position to take. Well, well um, what they, I guess from the Liberal Democrat point of view, what they reckon they didn't want was government interference in the private sector like that. Uh, my point was there was a there's a monopoly situation. You've got foreign-owned uh, corporations that are that are in a monopoly position against small Australian farmers, uh, basically offering take it or leave it contracts, and there needed to be a middleman there actually saying no 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 you don't you don't just ride roughshod over these people because you rule the roost. There's got to be some fair system in place. So that's. I think that that it's particular a element... It's position for a libertarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it can be. For me, not so much, because as soon as you say the word monopoly or monopsony, uh, all bets are off. It's not a free market. That's a market that's been bastardised and probably most likely because of sudden government interference in the, now, in the, in the background. Now, I'm sometimes accused of being a libertarian, but um, i firstly a Christian and... And God says that the reason government exists, and there is a reason, and, and that's it, it's to punish evildoers. Mm. Um, and so as much as freedom is a godly value, um, people who are abusing, you know, freedom uh, has a purpose. It, it's not just an absolute right and a highest good. It actually has to serve greater goods. And when people are abusing freedom for selfish gains and, and purposes, um, at the yeah. very real and demonstrated abuse and oppression and human cost of other people, that's when government steps in to protect. Uh, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, the reasons need to be uh, genuine, though, uh, for government to step in. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, needs, it, it needs to be real, not imaginary, because someone could say, oh, well, government should have stepped in when it came to COVID too. You know, we're talking about a virus with a 0.27% infection fatality rate. That's not a genuine reason for anyone to come in and step in. Uh, in the instance of the sugar milling situation, uh, the fact that a foreign company was in there, uh, basically the only one that these farmers could sell to, and saying to them, well, you're going to like it or lump it, um, I think that's reason enough for the government to come in and say, no, 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 that's not how we play ball in Australia, uh, our business is fair dealing yep. um, and uh, you, you've, you've got to have some negotiation. You can't just rape and pillage these people yep. like this was, you know, medieval serfdom. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Look, the G.K. Chesterton, like I that. think, said yep. there is a thought which stops all thoughts and that is the only thought which should be stopped, <laughs> meaning freedom of speech is yep. fantastic. But when your freedom of speech stops other people's freedom of speech, you're no longer pro-freedom of speech. Yep. So with the markets, as you clearly said, if, if market freedom uh, goes to an extreme whereby it actually stops 
uh, and and harms the freedom of the market mm. um, with predatory monopolistic behavior um, then that's something to consider government having a role in and so uh, here's carefully. My, my here's my criticism of the liberal democrats i would think that liberal democrat philosophy would be uh, hands off the economy uh, the problem with that some of the biggest biggest uh troublemakers in in australia today are massive corporations mostly foreign owned or foreign controlled uh who who are so woke it's not funny Mm. They are doing more damage to the fabric of this nation than probably governments ever could. Uh, and, and quite frankly, they do need to be pulled into line. Uh, companies and corporations only exist by remit of government, right? In a natural economy, there's no such thing as a corporation. Mm. Corporations come about by corporations' law. Um, and yet, uh, you know, I, I guess that the philosophy that... that, that sits with the LDP is one of hands off, whereas I think that some of these people are too big, too ugly, and they need to be regulated, controlled, so they don't um, uh, screw over the average person. And we saw that with the banks. That's why I was so big on having a banking royal commission. Uh, I was one of the people that was instrumental in leading the government into uh, having that royal commission, uh, which did show a whole heap of problems with the banking sector. Um, but uh, yeah, for anyone on the right side of politics to think that uh, big corporations are our friend these days, they are not. I mean, look look at Coca-Cola, for instance, you know, uh, wanting to tell people to not be too white. I mean, look at all the nonsense that we see from major corporations that are just happily marching down the left-wing route. I mean, mm. uh, really, we talk about the long march uh, through the institutions that the left wing has had. Um, uh, we just didn't realise that one of those institutions was going to be the corporate sector, and it is now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right. There's a, a place for for that kind of careful, minimal <laughs> regulation. I'm definitely wanting it to be minimal. Yeah, so do I. But can I give you another example? They're cancelling people now. I mean, is that right? Um, you know, and, 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 and the issue of freedom of faith, um, uh, you know, we have someone who might uh, make a statement in their private life, they might do something in their private life which is pro their faith, and for that they then get penalised by a corporation, because a corporation mm. might sack them, yeah. saying that it impacts on us, the corporation might... Well, Israel Flower, contract. perfect example. Exactly, Israel Flower was a perfect example. So... Um, you know, I think that the corporate sector uh, step too far sometimes, and that's yep. why I I I think that uh, so the, this criticism I have of the LDP. Do you have any policies that you disagree with them on? Um, not uh, well, apart from uh, the fact that uh, David Lionhelm was very much pro gay marriage, and also the fact that David Lionhelm took that stance against sugarcane farmers. I probably couldn't name you another LDP policy that, um, that I was vehemently against. Well, let's talk about, um, I guess, one of the common criticisms. I've got a lot of Christians in my audience. I'm a Christian, and mm. I don't have this problem with them. But a lot of Christians have a problem with the Liberal Democrats that they are not opposed to the liberalisation of abortion, yeah. euthanasia, uh, illicit mm. drugs, 
prostitution yeah, right. and, and so on. How does a conservative or a Christian, um, I mean, I know my answer on that, but mm. what's your thoughts on their policy positions mm. on on those see, social issues? I haven't read too deep into the LDP's positioning and policies on, well, let me on explain it for and euthanasia. But, but, but if, they, if they are, as you say they are, then there's a problem. Like, I could oh, not support they're definitely as that. that is pro-abortion. I could not support a party. But now, it's interesting if they've taken that stance. But go, go just on. Just take a pause. Yep. I didn't say they were pro-abortion. Yeah. I said they are not opposed to the liberalisation of those laws. That doesn't mean they're in favour of abortion. What they're in favour of is government yeah. getting out of the discussion and conversation yeah. and ending the regulation. Oh, look, I think that that it's the same thing. It's just um, it's 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 exactly the same thing. They've just uh, come up with a different equation to get the same answer. I mean, if you have no regulation around that, then basically you're for abortion. It's like what we should get away with the laws around murder. Um, we don't want government interfering in what two people do uh, when it comes to that issue. Well, that pretty much means that you are for allowing murder to happen uh, and people to get off scot-free. Um, so, uh, look, I, I, uh, I, I just can't support that. And it's funny they take that stance because there's libertarians in the US who um, are very, very pro-life. Uh, and they resolve that seemingly uh, disconnect between the two views by, by, by believing something that I actually said in my maiden speech when I was elected to Parliament, that I'm a conservative with, conservative with I'm, I said I'm a conservative with a strong streak of libertarianism, and the most fundamental liberty of them all is the right to life. If you don't have the liberty of the right to life, you have no other liberties. Mm. And so libertarians could and should be in favour of life, so it's quite strange. I'm only finding that out now that the LDP actually have that view that um, abortion should be um, permissible, uh, you know, but um, I think that's, that's sad and that's why I couldn't, couldn't vote for them. Uh, let's talk about the United Australia Party. Clive Palmer's um, mm. baby pet project Reuniting a uh, reuniting, reigniting a, a, an old name, um, and Craig Kelly is the federal leader. Um, Clive Palmer's the Senate candidate in Queensland, and on the number one position. Uh, what are their best policies? What are their worst policies? Well, their best policies are all the policies that they and One Nation probably have in common around. Uh, Getting rid of these COVID restrictions, um, so uh, and I, I yeah, got to take my hat off to Craig Kelly. He has been a trooper on this from very very early days. Mm. He was one of the uh, the prophets, I guess, that saw all of this madness coming and tried to warn about it, tried to stop it. Um, but uh, if I could, if you ask me, then what policies of of the UAPs to criticise? Well, I wouldn't be able to tell you because beyond the policies against, um, you know, the COVID-19 mania, uh, I don't know what any of the other UAP policies are and I don't think many other people would know either. Um, so that's, 
that could be seen as a criticism, right? It's the most important issue to people who are going to vote UAP, probably. Um, but uh, I literally don't know of too many other policies, and it hasn't been espoused to me uh, by either Craig or Clive Palmer as to what other policies of the UAP are. So the only other thing I'd say about the UAP is I don't know beyond this issue of, of being against COVID restrictions what the guiding philosophy or objective of that party is. Um, mm. And and actually, could I just say even one step further, I think it's a shame that we actually have the UAP because um, I think that by and large, all of the things that it mainly stands for, One Nation was there before. And you could you could probably pick up Craig Kelly and put him in One Nation and, you know, take off the yellow shirt and put on the orange one and it wouldn't be any difference in what he's saying. Um, I, don't, I just don't know why there needs to be two separate parties, actually. Why do you think it is that attracted Craig Kelly to Clive Palmer instead of Pauline Hanson? No, I, I don't know the answer to that. You'd have to uh, you'd have to ask Craig. The only thing I can, I mean, obviously UAP is very well resourced, and um, um, perhaps I mean you would have to ask Craig. But perhaps that was going through his head for uh, as fight as big as what he wanted to put up. He would need a uh, well resourced outfit to uh, to be able to put up that fight. I did see one going a while back. The UAP wanted to abolish state governments and look state governments have done a lot of damage uh to this country with border shutdowns covid restrictions all the rest of it but you really think that centralizing all the power in canberra is going to make the situation better mm. uh i don't want to centralize power i want to give power back to the people so i can tell you that the idea of of getting rid of state governments and having centralised power, that's one thing that I'd very much be against that the UAP seem to be in favour of. Um, uh, and I think that most Conservatives would, would probably be against that too. Um, it's centralised power. That's what we've been fighting. Power in the hands of the too few. What we need is the devolution of power, uh, you know, mm less power for state governments, less power with federal governments. Yeah, I want to see a system like this, where Canberra has a minimal amount of powers. The state government has maybe a little bit more power, a little bit more power than the federal government. Not much, not much. Then I want to see local governments with a fair bit of power in their local communities in terms of the issues they're involved in, roads, rates and rubbish. And then what I want to see is every individual Australian, families having power over themselves and their households, not someone else lording it above them. And I think that's the problem with wanting to drive the power upwards. Yep. Yeah, the throwing the baby out with bathwater is a brain fart. Just, yeah, yeah, a lot of people have sort of been naughty, let's get rid that. of states. Well, it's like, my house smells, let's burn down the house. <laughs> it's just silly. Hey, federation probably needs to be fixed, right? That's the reality. Federation that, needs to be renewed. Yeah, yeah. Federation does need to be renewed. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a given. Um, uh, and there needs to be a sensible conversation around it. 
but the idea of getting rid of states, it's one of those things that, yeah, it's very easy to say, uh, you know, very easy line to throw out, but then you gotta consider, you gotta have, have, have to have a referendum with the majority of people and a majority of states have got to agree. You really think you're gonna get that? Like, it's not gonna happen. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually for more states uh, and that leads to the devolution of power. I'm for a state of North Queensland. Uh, if there's another part of the country, Northern Territory, other parts of the country that want to become separate states, what about New North Wales? Be. Yeah, New North Wales. Uh, you know, although well, we're going to have that one stage, the uh, state of New England, um, and that was quashed through political skullduggery. But um, you know, there, there could be many other states in Australia. People think that's a crazy thing. Well, it's only crazy because you think it's crazy. It's not really crazy at all. How do you think that Queensland become a separate state? Because at some stage there, it was all New South Wales, mm. and someone went, you know what? We're too far away from Sydney up here. Yep. Uh, we don't want to be part of them. We want to form our own colony. And so they split it off. Yep. So uh, why can't that happen again? Let's talk about um, the great Australian party led by Rod Cullerton. Uh, look, uh, you know... In this whole fight, David, I know this is not the answer that you're going to like, but the enemy of my enemy has become my friend. And uh, Rod... Yeah, it's great philosophy. I know, I know Rod is a good bloke. Yeah, Rod no, is a good bloke. No doubt. Uh, Rod has been a trooper in the parliament. But you've got a painter who's listening to this podcast right now, and he, he doesn't know Arthur from Martha on the right-wing parties. They all yep. look the same. They all sound the same. You can't give them all a number one. Yep, I, 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 I hear loud and clear. So I'm not going to knock them uh, in terms of what they what they stand for, but I will just say with GAP, they don't have anyone in the parliament that's that's with GAP. Uh, they've got a former senator uh, who was there. Um, I just think their chances are minimal, mate. Like, I really do. Um, why, why should people not vote for them? Because... Um, I think they're not going to get anyone elected. That's 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 the honest truth of it. They are a minor minor party. So and there wouldn't be too many people that have heard of Great Australian Party. So I mean, with the flow of preferences, you can put them anywhere. And yeah, of course you could. Of course you could. Uh, you need to read uh, again. I haven't read the Great Australian Party's um, policies, what they stand for, and all the rest of it, uh, simply because I don't think that they are going to make a big difference on the political landscape. Might be some good people in them. They might have the right views. Let me ask you this. Um, again, I wonder why they exist, why they don't all coalesce around one uh, political party that does have some traction, and that is One Nation. But anyway... Because Rod and Pauline had a falling out. Yeah, probably. And that's, that's the great shame on the right side of politics. I mean, why, oh why, do we have to get bogged down in personality clashes uh, when we should be about principle? We should be about um, things that are that mean more than actually personalities. I tell you what, you know, the ideal Senate would be one where there is a very full crossbench. There ain't too many, or there's no greens on it. But the people that are there is, uh, you know, a heap of One Nation people, uh, a heap of UAP people, a heap of Great Australian Party people, uh, right. a heap of Liberal Democrats. A uh, man, imagine that Parliament uh, where we had that that sort of um, that 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 roadblock there mm. to stupid ideas and stupid laws that might get thrown up by a socialist and, Labor and government. And here's why: all of the technical changes that 
they might want to remedy won't change anything is because we're not in the majority. Right-thinking people are not in the majority. Stupid people are in the majority, and they keep voting for the major parties. And until we change the majority, Mm. then the majority will take whatever system we fix and put us back exactly where we are today because this is what we're meant to have when majority rules, when a stupid, immoral, craven majority rules, when they're driven by fear and greed, then we get the last two years of COVID rules where Mm. people want to be paid to stay home and they want to pray to government to keep them safe. Mm. No matter what the oath of office is, no matter who the head of state is, no matter the seal on the uh, federal parliament, no matter um, the words in the constitution, the same people are voting and they're going to vote for the same thing. Yeah. And the only way to stop that is with a strong, independent, conservative crossbench. So, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to slag off at the Australian uh, populace, um, uh, and, 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 and I won't. Um, Suffice it to say, we're not politics, in the majority. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Politics is downstream of culture. And so, um, you know, in order to change this sort of paradigm, the dualistic party paradigm, uh, you need to change the culture, right? Uh, and change people's mindsets. Until then, this is the conclusion I've come to, which is why one nation, Mm. right? Until then, our job is to be roadblocks to bad ideas. Absolutely. To stop the absolute insanity from taking place Um, and and call out... Call out stupidity. Yeah, the best government's a government that can't do anything almost. I was going to say, (laughs) if in the next three years two pieces of legislation are passed, that will be a fantastic parliament. Yeah, well, it'd be fantastic if one of them was about religious liberty too, but I won't hold my breath because we couldn't even get it through. I would rather uh, they did nothing. But uh, anyway, um, uh, you you know, that is, is right what you've said. Let's talk about... Catter's Australian Party. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't a nationwide party. It's North, it Queensland, North Queensland only. Pretty much, yep. Um, policy strengths, policy weaknesses. And Bob asked me uh, several times to come and join his party. He actually put a public appeal out. Uh, I love Bob to death. He's a uh, top bloke, top bloke. Um, the weakness is that it is um, just North Queensland, really, uh, if you look at the um, at the centre of appeal for KAP, uh, it's within the Kennedy electorate. All of the state seats that um, the Catter Australia Party has fall within the Kennedy electorate. Uh, you move out some to the seat of Herbert and the seat of Dawson and the seat of Leichhardt, which uh, neighbour it, and the support for the Catter Australia Party dissipates, and it morphs very quickly into support for One Nation, which tells you something like this is a party that's been built around an icon of North Queensland that is Bob Catter. And so um, uh, my greatest criticism is also uh, what I consider the greatest strength of KAP, and that is it is the party of Bob Catter. Uh, It has it in its name, Catter's Australia Party. Without Bob, um, I'm not sure that there is a party. 
Um, so um, uh, Bob is an icon. You're never going to hear me say much bad about Bob at all. He is a true blue Australian. Um, I, you know, people criticise Bob. I criticise them. Uh, Bob's a mate, and and hopefully will still be a mate, uh, even though I didn't join his party. Uh, went went with my <laughs> nation, um, but uh, but it is the criticism that that it's the party of Bob, and 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 that's what I say. He'll get a great deal of support in North Queensland. Uh, shooters, fishers, and farmers. Um, uh, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party, uh, look, I, I don't know uh, about them apart from they present a threat to New South Wales Nationals, and so they should. New South Wales Nationals have left, left the reservation. Um, and so Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party are seen as an alternative uh, to to um, the New South Wales Nationals in rural areas throughout New South Wales. A welcome um, alternative. Probably a welcome alternative. The only thing that I'm not sure of is um, while, uh, you know, they might be pro-shooting, pro-fishing, pro-farmers, which you want in regional Australia, I don't know what their guiding philosophy is. And I think there's a danger in that, in that if you just want a party that's pro-bush, um, you could pretty well vote for a left-wing party that's pro-Bush, right? Um, so, so I need to understand more about the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party beyond their support for regional Australia. I love regional Australia too. I'm sure the Labor Party would get up and say they love regional Australia, although their actions probably are against it. it. Um, we need more than that. We need more than that from a party. So that's my criticism of the uh, SFF. I'm up. Informed Medical Options Party. Do you know much about them? Oh, yeah, look, the name says it all. I mean, they've been constantly against uh, uh, vaccination restrictions. Uh, um, sorry, I'll say that again. So IMOP have been a piece of the political landscape that's been against um, any pressure to vaccinate. Uh, it is um, a party that's come into its own with... With what's happened recently, of course, uh, their single issue has become one of the biggest issues, um, but they are single issues still. So that's my criticism, mm. is that uh, while I probably agree with them now on their single issue, yeah, um, they are single issue. I and told you so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm up can say, I'm right. <laughs> the Jackie Lambie Network. Oh, well, this is a fan club. And, uh, you know, I'm just... Uh, don't in politics to be part of a fan club. Hey, what's the Jackie Lambie Network stand for? I'd be very interested if any of my listeners or viewers actually think Jackie Lambie's right of centre, a good person, pro-liberty. Yeah. She, she, I, I think she, that ship has sailed. She, she's not. She's not. Um, and this is the problem with Jackie is that uh, she started off, she was sort of conservative and then she's gone all hell west and crooked. Yep. And um, yeah, the, the one thing that I will give it to her for is her stance on on China. It's been um, unwavering, um, and uh, and I give it to her on that. I think she's she's okay. I like Jackie, but um, I don't like a lot of the things she stands for. And she's taken a view that's decidedly against freedom when it comes to the pandemic. You mm. know, uh, 
telling um, people that decided not Frothing to Frothing at the mouth, rabid yeah, yeah, against yeah, yeah. freedom. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. So I don't think she's going to... She's, she's um, not for freedom. Um, she's not going to get uh, uh, much love from most conservative voters, I think, and uh, mm. the Zaki Lambie network will basically be a network of one going into the future, as far as I'm aware. Um, there'll be Jackie Lambie herself, and the rest of it's just a fan club. This would be my fantasy, is if you had the resources of UAP uh, combined with the political appeal of One Nation, combined with the support from all the other groups, political appeal in North Queensland and the KAP, combined with all of these other groups that they just come together and formed a force that, um, that could perhaps make inroads and take on mm. uh, the majors. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to live to see it happens. There's also the flip side to that, and this was put to me by um, someone in One Nation. They said to me, um, you've got to remember that there are people who love Bob and would vote KAP but won't vote for One Nation because they don't like someone in One Nation or what One Nation said. There's people in One Nation or people who will vote for One Nation that won't necessarily vote for Bob, but there are people who will go out there and vote for them and follow their how to vote cards and preference all the minor parties. And so when it comes to the Senate, there probably is a benefit in having a, a heap of different parties out there mm. that they can all leverage off. Now, this will only come to pass, that sort of strategy, if people preference. So here's my big call. It well, doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. We, well, it, <laughs> here's my big call. It, it, you know, obviously, there's some people whose minds aren't going to be changed, but whether they're voting for One Nation, CATA, GAP, LDP, whoever it might be. But if your whole thing is about freedom, if your whole, if your, if your, if your big issue going into the ballot box is about what happened over the past two years with COVID make sure both in the house of reps and in the senate that you preference every pro-freedom party take them right down to the end in fact if you really want to um, on the senate ticket uh, number the people in the uh, major parties well, there's only one side it was the um, uh, liberals and or nationals people like alex antic matt canavan who actually stood up against mandates and that sort of thing um, Jared Rennick, you know, uh, but make sure you preference. That's going to be the key to victory. Preference. Absolutely. You can guess who he's voting for, but it's only one vote, the same as anyone else's. When counting starts, it's soon obvious that there's a big swing against the government. The people have voted in one of the closest elections in Australia's history.